Hey, how's it going? This is the Zach Peters Podcast. I am Zach, and I am so glad that you've chosen to listen or to watch this podcast. As always, please feel free to uh, share, like this, review it, uh, subscribe to whatever platform you're listening to it on so it automatically comes to you every time one is posted. Um, I hope that this message encourages you, inspires you, helps you grow closer to Christ, and I hope that you connect with it or with me on some level. We are talking about, over the next couple of uh, weeks and and podcasts, uh, this experience we're going through and how that experience that we're going through from COVID-19 and the impact that it's having on our daily lives, we're going to be talking about that impact from the perspective of the church and what we can learn from this moment to help us, not just through this time, but when we get to the other side of this time, to help the church be more effective. But this experience that we are going through together, it makes me think about church a lot because church is a big, gigantic piece and part of my life. I'm going to be a father. I'm a friend. I'm a a son. I'm a a husband, but I'm a Christian, and I'm a pastor, and, and that's what I'm passionate about. But in this moment, everything I grew up with in regards to having church is is for the moment put on pause. And for a second, that can be incredibly scary. I can let myself be frightened by the unfamiliar that we are going through uh, as as Christians, as a church in North America. It's strange. And so I think about the church and and how all of this is working and moving and, and what's going on. And I realize very honestly that some of our fear and panic is based on our experience of what church has been for us traditionally. How we do church is basically how our parents did church or how we did church 15 years ago. For a lot of us, for at least 50% of us, that's what church is. It, it hasn't changed. It, it hasn't looked any different. Church looks a certain way because that's how we grow up in church and doing church. And now that way of having church seems completely unattainable. And so it's scary and it's frightening. Um, for everyone involved, for ministers included in that. For ministers, it's not just that reason, though. It's also a very practical fear based on the unknown finances, the attendance, the empty church buildings. Churches close all the time, and so this is just another issue for a pastor to deal with that involves their livelihood, that involves a legacy and tradition of a church. Failure is not a very fun thing for a man or a woman to come into contact with. So in this stressful and scary situation, it's okay to lament. It's okay not to understand what's going on. I won't pretend to know why God has allowed these things to happen. But lamenting, which is found in Scripture and Psalms and in other other random poetry and in the book of Lamentations, is, is a response to stress and pain in the Bible. And so we can lament in this moment and not feel guilty about it because it's okay. Other people, great spiritual warriors, have lamented problems that they have faced, and we can lament the problems we are facing, but we have to have hope, and we have to keep pushing through. I rewrote this section of my notes a ton of times, like seriously, a ton. It took me like three days to to sort of work my way through this, but I just want to make sure that we know that we can learn and grow in this moment and not just shrink and not just be scared. We can learn uh, from from the, the church in the book of Acts and in the New Testament, and we can see the challenges that they went through, the things that they did that worked for them that might mimic some things that we're going through now, and we might be able to figure out what we can do that they did 
you know, 2,000 years ago. Uh, we can learn from mission field churches that have been struggling with problems that, that in North America we have no idea about, but we can look at them, see how they have responded, how they've grown and thrived, and implement those things for ourselves. And, and we can look at, you know, churches that seem to have it all going on. I'm not talking about lights or technology, even though I love those things. I'm talking about when you walk into the service, when you walk into the building, when you walk into a class, you can feel the presence of God, you can feel love and kindness. Those kinds of churches will do fine during this time because their hearts are right and they're doing the right things already. And we can learn from all of those things. And maybe they're not things that we've forgotten completely. Maybe they're not unknown. Maybe we know them Maybe they've just been pushed to the side. Maybe we've, we've gotten distracted. Maybe they're not forgotten at all. We just know that they're incredibly hard to do the right way. Yet this is the time to learn and to relearn some of the basics that the, well, of things that have made the church successful. And in this moment, we can recapture the simplicity of having church anywhere. But, but most importantly, having church at home with our families and with the people who we're responsible for in our household. We can refocus the wonderful gift of the priesthood of all believers, something that we have forgotten about. Individuals must take responsibility for their own relationship with God. It's not the burden simply of a pastor or pastoral staff, someone older than you, of, of your parents, to get you connected to God. It starts with your heart and your mind and your response to God and His grace. you got to do something with it. It starts with you, the priesthood of all believers. We have a personal responsibility. We can, we can learn how faithful God is, even in the worst of circumstances like we're experiencing now, and that might be the most profound things that we can learn in this moment. But we can learn all of these things or re-remember all of these things. The, the, the ideas and concepts that I've been pondering about, that I've presented to you now, that we're going to talk about over the next couple of podcasts, they're not foreign. They're not unknown to our churches and church leaders. Most Christians, most ch church leaders, pastors will know that these ideas are things that sh they should be focusing on and thinking about even outside this very uh, present complex moment that we're going through in the world and in North America. Yet I I'm talking to myself here as well. These concepts are so tough to put into practice, so hard to focus on unless there is something pushing us to act on these things. Uh if a car is working fine, even though it might have some issues, you know, a lot of times some people won't won't care about those little problems. But whenever a major problem happens, those little issues actually turn out to be big issues. And so while we may have been floating along doing okay as some churches with some small issues and small problems, things out of place, alignments need to be checked, tire pressure needs to be checked, fuel filters need to be checked, because these are things that have been part of the church for a long time. These are the things that make a, a car run, make a church run. And so it's time for us to re-remember these things and, and prioritize them in a way to be healthy, um, not just for this season, but for the season after this. For example, most pastors and church leaders know that they should be helping uh, the, the congregation, the parents in the congregation, understand that they set the spiritual example at home. Yet how often are we successful in accomplishing this? I mean, really accomplishing it to where our congregation, the parents in our congregation, are enabled and mobilized to be many youth pastors and children's pastors to their children. Some churches do it great. Some families, are they do it great on their own. But I ask myself, how successful am I in doing that? Some churches get it, some don't. 
Some, some miss the mark. Some miss the mark in other areas. So maybe they get that right, but they get other things wrong. All churches have their strengths and weaknesses. So we have to be careful with comparison in this sort of series that I'm doing. But these are general things that we all need to be focusing on and, and trying to get better at to be a healthy and powerful and effective church. And it's not that there will be one magical system that we find, one magical process that will fix all the problems or produce immediate results, but there will be a lot of small things to remember and to learn that will help churches change this problem season into a growth season, a strengthening season. And so I want to start this process by looking at the book of Acts, and, and this will end up being several messages, but we have to start somewhere. And I want to start at the start of the church, really, in uh, Acts chapter 2. And it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. From this scripture, uh, for this, this little piece that we're doing right now, I have two questions. Two questions. Where were they, and what happens after this moment? Where were they, and what happens after this moment? The answer to the first question is very simple. They were together at a house, together at a house. They, they weren't at a temple. They weren't in a building designed for spiritual gatherings. They weren't in a church building. It, it was someone's home, someone's house. It's probably a big house because it had some people in it, but it was still just a home. And what happens at this home is something incredibly special. They receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit as promised by Jesus. And there's all kinds of, uh, uh, of meat here to pull from and to preach from for us to, to grow. We, we could talk about how often we go to church buildings to receive what God will willing, willingly give us at home. We, we could talk about how in, in my denomination, people struggle with the concept of, of, of anointing and being filled with the Spirit. And so they go to church and altar calls and they want the gifts, they want the empowerment, and, but then they go home and they leave that desire for the gift at the church building instead of seeking it in a place where God can give it to them and where God gave it first in the home. And, and what I want everyone to see for this podcast, for this message though, is that when God moves, he's not limited to a building designed for God. The breakthrough for your family can start at home as you're stuck together during this quarantine. Uh, you, your deliverance doesn't have to be at the altar uh, of a church stage. The disciples were obeying some of the very last commands of Jesus. That's why they were together. That's why they were seeking God in this moment. And in some ways, the command that Jesus gave them to meet and to gather and to wait, to come together even at home, we can learn and apply to our lives today to receive something that is so special for your life, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing makes the difference, as, as one famous sermon put it. What happens at home changes what happens outside the home. Look what goes on after the disciples have this moment with God. God is moving so radically in their lives that people in the house are, are acting strange, and so people outside the house or people in the house were acting strange, people outside the house thought that they were drunk, and then something spectacular happens. Peter speaks, which is not unordinary. Peter speaks several times. It says Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. And, and so this is something that Peter has done before. He's spoken, but it's not always good. In fact, he puts his foot in his mouth several times in Scripture. Yet this time when he speaks, it's a little different. So those who receive this word were baptized, this is after Peter spoke, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 
Something was different about Peter this time. Peter spoke, and people listened, but didn't just listen, they were changed. And if you're a churchgoer, you understand and know this, hopefully, to, to be the impact of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes who we are, and He makes us more powerful, makes us more able to be Christians that, that make a difference in the world. And without the Holy Spirit at work in us in this moment, we will never be who God has designed us and desired us to be as Christians because we have talents and gifts that God has given us without the anointing. It's part of our DNA, part of our biology, part of our sociology, but the Holy Spirit in those things gives them a new, fresh power that they cannot achieve on their own. There are plenty of talented people out there, but very few people who are talented who rely on anointing. There are people out there who have no talent but have an anointing and make a bigger impact than people who have great talent. And the Holy Spirit helps us develop an attitude that is different than the world's attitude. The Holy Spirit and the actions of the Holy Spirit can take a normal person, a normal people, a normal congregation, a normal church, a normal pastor, and empower them to do things that no one would expect them to do. And in this season, I believe we need to go home and receive the power of the Holy Spirit to do things that no one else can do. And, and for the first church, it all started at home. And the potential of what can happen spiritually at your homes can change your family in so significant ways that, that we just got to get it back. We can't leave God at home, or we can't leave God at the church anymore. Don't miss the moment. Take action. Make your home a sanctuary for God's presence. I have several tips to help you think about your spiritual life at home. These, these really help right now during this season of life as we're stuck together, but they will continue to help if we in, in, in put them into action after the season passes and when we can go places and when we do go back to work, when we do go back to church buildings. If we can keep some of these at work in our lives, we will be stronger and more powerful Christians ready to do what God wants us to do. So the first sort of thing... Uh, practical advice is read Scripture for a few minutes and pray. Just sit down and read. Remember to sit down. Include your family in this process if you have others with you, but just read a Scripture and pray. It doesn't have to be spectacular. You don't even have to understand what you're reading necessarily at first. Just read Scripture, think about it, pray about it. Listen to a worship song. If you're feeling bold, sing the worship song out even though no one else is around and even though you can't sing. This is your opportunity not to be embarrassed because you, it's just you and your family or you by yourself. Fight other distractions that might get in the way of you having moments with God. Learn to turn off the TV. Learn to put your phone down. Learn to even shut off your router uh, for, for a moment. Whatever it is that might be distracting you, set it aside for a little bit and don't let it get in the way of you having a moment with God. Don't settle for quick moments with God. Try to extend your prayer life. Try to extend and, and reflect this time um, to longer and longer periods of time. And as you do this, set attainable goals to work towards. So if you start with a two-minute prayer, next time uh, do two minute and 10 seconds. If you start with you know, just a verse, do two verses the next time. You don't learn to run a marathon by running a marathon. You start by putting on your, your jogging shoes and going for a jog. So build on small steps to get big results in your maturity in Christ. Gather the family together to have church, uh, even if you're watching online. Get dressed, eat, 
turn off distractions, treat online church like a regular church service the best you can in your living room or in your bedroom. You know, it, go through the motions of getting ready for church without the stress, hopefully, of being there on time. Uh, fast a meal with your family every once in a while, once a week, once a day. Do something different, you know. Make learning moments out of what you're going through. Set the example for others in your home. If you are spiritually mature, you set the standard, but at the same time, understand everyone is at a different level and everyone is different. Everyone responds different. But you set the example in grace and kindness about how you expect your home to be uh, led by God. And I won't pretend... I won't pretend like these things are easy. I won't pretend like it's um, uh, incredibly um, groundbreaking information that you need to take Christ home and, and, and have church at home sometimes with your, your family. But it's what we have to do in this moment, but also for the moment after this one. I also won't pretend like I understand why God has let this moment happen. Now, I'm too dumb to truly understand exactly what's going on, but I do know this, that God will work things in our favor if we love Him and we trust Him, no matter what the situation is. We left God in the church building for a long time, for a very long time in my life, for a very long time in many churches that I'm aware of. We've left Him in the building. It's time to take Him back home. God bless you guys. Love you. See you next time.